All right. So the second one is restore accountability and clarity of ownership. I love this one. Oh. This is actually why most great people don't like working for large companies. He said, there's so many people in charge or believe they are in charge that it's not clear Ooh, yes. if anyone is in charge. <laughs> and he said, no one knows who can make decisions or who's actually accountable. It feels like everyone is a decision maker, so there's no decisions being made. There's no accountability, no clarity of ownership. Before we get back to today's show, here's a quick word from HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like, try to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least, it brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk, and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs and a full 360 view of every customer. So your go-to-market team can keep up on the pulse of accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means? Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to do more for your customers today. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Green, your show for marketing-minded people everywhere. I'm your co-host, Kip Bodner. I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Kieran Flanagan, who is live from the other side of the pond in Dublin, Ireland. Kieran, what is happening, my man? I'm doing good. We have a fun show for everybody today. We are talking about why big businesses fail. And you're like, what the heck does that do? has to do with marketing? Everything, actually. Marketing and how businesses are built, how businesses are scaled, how businesses are positioned and differentiated lead to how businesses evolve and why most businesses fail. And Kieran, I know today that you've got some content that you want to share with everybody. Yeah, I think you and I kind of talked about the learnings that you can have from past companies and how they're still yeah. applicable to what we go through today. And so there's this incredible memo some people may have heard of it before from Brad Garlandhouse. And Brad Garlandhouse is actually the CEO of Ripple today. And he was back in 2006, an SVP at Yahoo. And he wrote Hold this. On, what, what company was that? Yahoo. Yeah, so Yahoo? it's Yahoo for everybody but yeah, watching. What did I say? But what did I say? you say it Yahoo. like Yahoo, which makes me really happy because I think of the little chocolate milk drink that I would have as a kid. Oh, yeah, so, so both work really well for me. Well, yeah, the company that has had a multitude of problems, Yahoo. And this memo got leaked to the New York Times, and that's the reason we were able to kind of go through it. But I think there's just incredible learnings. And I think we want to go through- You think through... it's timeless. You, you gave me a little bit of a preview before the show. And you're like, man, this is timeless. And it is incredibly applicable to the here and now Today, that, that everybody's going yeah. through. Love that. This is the exact time you would bring this memo up because it's so applicable to what we're experiencing in tech. And the other thing is just, it's an incredible example of leadership. He- has been in the company for three years and New York Times wrote a scathing article about them. And so that was mm -hmm. his kind of trigger to write this memo. And what he does is he distills down the entire company's problems into three core buckets and then Ooh. talks about three solutions. And so even just there, he doesn't 
write a 20 page memo with like a multitude of different problems. He's like, these are the three things, right? And so I want to go through those three yeah. things with you. Well, that goes to the classic Mark Twain quote, right? I would have written a shorter book, but I ran out of time. Right. The magic is in the scaling down on the simplicity of things. And normally when problems happen and when a company or a team isn't functioning well, people are really long-winded because they're trying to make excuses. You know, they don't want to cut straight to like, here's what we know the core problems are. So we're already starting off on a good note because he's cutting straight to the core problems and issues at hand. Yeah, I think what separates good leaders from great leaders is the ability to make things simple. And it's a really hard thing to do. And I actually don't so think hard. some people will ever be able to do it. It's just a very, very hard thing to do. I think that's one of the things that you're truly great at. And so what I want to do here is go through the three problems. And I don't want us to go into solution mode, which all our marketers do. I want us to like focus on the problems and then I'll go into the solutions and we can talk about the solutions that he came up with, which are, again, I love the simplicity of this. And so the first one is lack of focus, cohesive vision for our company. Mm -hmm. And so what he said was Yahoo's biggest problem is they had a thin layer of investment spread across everything. The reason they had that is because they did not have a clear vision. And in big companies, when you don't have a clear vision, every project carries the same weight. And not only that, what actually really happens is every project carries the weight of the voice behind it. Mm -hmm. And what I mean is if you have incredible empire builders within your business. <laughs> I knew you were going here. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> if you have incredible empire builders and you have no clear vision to say no to people, what you will find the projects that become big and balloon in size are not the people who are doing the best thing for the company. No. It's the people who are able to best sell their project, wrangle resources, and kind of, you know, get investment for their thing. But the core thing here is that lack of focus, no clear vision. So we just do everything. And that's actually where the kind of peanut butter, a metaphor for the memo came from. So the second one is restore accountability and clarity of ownership. I love this one. Oh, This is actually why most great people don't like working for large companies. He said, there's so many people in charge or believe they are in charge that it's not clear <laughs> Ooh, yes. if anyone is in charge. <laughs> and he said, no one knows who can make decisions or who's actually accountable. It feels like everyone is a decision maker, so there's no decisions being made. There's no accountability, no clarity of ownership. So that's the second one. I'm going to go through four because there was a third one in there, but like, there was another point in there, but I pulled it out in its own thing. Mm -hmm. And so this is very applicable to tech today. It's duplication of work. For far too many employees, there is another person with dramatically similar and overlapping responsibilities. And so he talked about the fact that we just have people doing the same shit. And then the fourth <laughs> totally. one is we lack decisiveness, which I think is an incredible insight. We are held hostage by our analysis paralysis. We have lost our passion to win. Let's go. Apathy, baby. <laughs> and he said, uh, far too many employees are phoned in and in. As a result, the employees that we really need to stay, leaders, risk takers, innovators, people who are passionate about the problems are discouraged and leave. And so that's the four things. I'll just recap the lack of focus the cohesive vision for the company, the fact that there was no accountability or clarity of ownership, the fact that there was a lot of duplication of work, and then the fact that they lacked decisiveness. So they were the four things. Mm -hmm. How did those four things resonate? They hit me hard right here. You know, I, I think I've seen them throughout so many organizations, you know? And what's interesting is, I think any organizations, even the best organizations have moments of all of those things, right? right? But they normally don't happen at the same time. And they normally don't last for very long. It's when they become systemic and they all happen at once that you are basically guaranteed failure, right? 
Every tech company is going through this because they hire so rapidly during the two years of COVID. And I'd argue any business that grew during the pandemic is going through this, right? Yeah, it's going through these things. UPS is probably going through it because they had to scale up all their operations. Like everybody's probably going through them. I don't know if any of this is actually avoidable. Maybe this is just part and parcel of like company growth. Oh, Kieran, you just hit on a great point that I wanted to talk about. Okay, let's go. I, we got, I got so much I want to talk about. They're so good in their simplicity. And so the first one is focus on vision, right? Because again, no clear vision, everything is a priority. And so they really wanted to lean into what they are and what they are not. And so I think that's a good point for us to talk about, which is how does a company figure that out? When you don't have a clear strategy and you lack focus, what normally has happened is you had something that worked in your business. And that's great. And that gave you capital. It gave you the opportunity to grow. Fantastic. But then you get distracted by other opportunities. Mm. You know, people inside the company are chirping in one ear, your customers are chirping in the other ear. And you think you can do a lot of things at once. You can't. It's first of all, hard stop like you can't. The biggest contributing factor here is losing sight of what your customers really need, first of all. And the second thing is a lack of humility, right? Like hubris comes out and you're like, oh, we got this thing right. We're going to get everything right. We can do everything. We're going to get it all right. We're smarter and better than everybody else. You're not. You're not. Like that's just fundamentally true. The people who are the most successful in business are not smarter and better than everybody else. They are deliberate. They are disciplined and they are focused on their customer. That's the difference. Don't you need to have real clarity on what you are trying to be to know what you are not, right? And so like, you need to have some way of saying to people, this is not the thing that we care about, or this is not the thing that is important yeah. to us. And what actually happens is you have an initial vision mm -hmm. and you kind of like grow into that vision. And that vision isn't big enough to get to where you need to go in the next phase of growth. And there's not like a clear, you haven't really like, Oh, yeah. built the next phase of that vision. And so now you're just trying to do a range of different things to see what kind of works. Yes, I agree. And you know what, Karen? On the show, we've been in a little bit of a drought. I don't know if you're aware, but it's been many episodes since we dropped a two-by-two. Two. Oh, We are in a two-by-two two drought right now. We're in a framework drought on the show. And so I want to try one on you right now. You ready for it? Let's do it. It's what you said. The horizontal axis, what we are and what we're not. Right. And so you can, at the ends of those axis, kind of like label what they are. The other vertical axis is what our customers want and what our customers don't yet know they want. Yes. The things that we believe are going to be true in the future that our customers can't possibly understand that is possible today. But a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, they're going to want. Right. And because once you have the what you're not, you can just exit out of that stuff. And that helps you define both of the other spectrums of what your customers want right now and what's in your core competency versus what might be your core competency, but maybe it doesn't apply to the here and now, but it's going to apply to what your customers want in the future. I agree. I do think you need to start with what you truly are to know what you're not. Yes. That's the thing that I... But how do you get there? How do you know? This is like very platitudinal for us to say like, right. oh, you have to start with what you are. What does that mean to you? I think it comes back down to the better or different framework. Like, mm. I think the thing that you truly are is the thing that is differentiated in the market. And what actually happens is you start to play a lot of table stakes with other companies because you are trying to like make up the next phase of your growth. And the vision you started with becomes lost, becomes muddy. 
I really want to break this down for people. This is really important. Let's pick, I, w- I want to pick a really known company. Let's, let's pick Google. Everybody knows Google. Everybody uses Google, right? Right. Google does a lot of things and they do yeah. a lot of things that argue that they shouldn't do, right? But if you said, what is Google unique? Like, what are they for? What are they uniquely best at in the world? Is they are uniquely best at a few things. At enabling discovery of the world's information hiring and scaling great technical talent. Those might, like, they're good at other things, but those might be the two things that matter. And so, like, maps, for example, in Google, makes total sense. Right. Self-driving cars, oh, kind of makes sense. But a lot of, like, the Wi-Fi, you know, drones that they were doing and everything, I understand that gives them access to things. I can understand the logic, but it's not really, like, core to, like, the competencies that they are not just better at, than everybody else in the world, but truly have a different level of skill than everybody else in the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah, I think some of the things they do are to collect the data as well. Oh, yeah. Some of the companies are to collect the data and then some of it's to organize. But even Google came out and said they're going to kill a lot of the projects that they... That Again, if you actually did that two by two, a lot of these big tech companies are killing the projects that are not in the core competency or does not fit in with the core vision. That's really what's happening in tech. It's like, let's get back to like the vision. Like we we started working and we had these empire builders and we were like flush with cash. And so we did all of these different things that muddy the water of what the true vision is or what the true thing that we are trying to strive towards is. And you end up with like, you end up with just a bundle of things that make no sense. Well, Kieran, you and I have solved, I think, Lots of hard problems in our time together. And my reflection of this is when we were making the most progress, when we were the happiest, when we were doing all these things, we actually had a very short list of things we were doing. We would only have like three two or three things and we would just be like... That's what you need. And we would just, but we would be back and forth with them with each other yeah. like every hour, right? We were just... We were iterating going so fast because we were so focused. We had a depth of thought that isn't possible when you're all spread out. If you have a short number of things, they just become a mainstay of the team. Everyone kind of understands them. They speak the same terminology. They talk about them. That's when you know you have focus is like you go into a room full of people and you can mention one of the bets and everyone understands it. Everyone knows it. I want to tell you a great story about this, right? I'm on the board of my university, Marshall University. We have an amazing president named Brad Smith. Brad Smith was the CEO of Intuit, really successful technology company. He graduated from this university, wanted to go back and change and transform this university and and help this university hit its next stage of growth. He came in and he took a listening tour and he listened to students, faculty, staff, everybody under the sun, put that all into basically like 10 slides. And it's like, oh, we need to increase enrollment. There are like a handful of things that we really need to focus on. Just like we said, three to five things. And then he would repeat it over and over and over. He has the best quote. He's like, you know, my father always said repetition didn't ruin the prayer, right? Which is a very like colloquial religious quote, but it's about like, man, but it doesn't make this thing bad if you keep saying it. But to a person, like somebody in the facilities department I met could tell you their most important priorities, right? And man, when you get that, that is like 80% of the problem solved right then and there. I always... I thought Brent Halligan, co-founder of HubSpot, was amazing at many things. Repetition yes. was something he was just a master at. Yes. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Put the thing on the whiteboard, draw it out really simply, 
every meeting, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. You have not repeated it enough unless people find it really annoying. Like there's some, someone kind of, yes. I'm paraphrasing or not, I'm butchering the quote, but there's a really great quote around like how many times you should repeat something in a company. And that's when people are like, oh God, not this again. And so I think that's a really good one. I want to move on to the next Let's because go. it's a good one. So again, that's focused vision. So that's the lack of focus, cohesive vision for the company. So the next one, again, very simplistic, restore accountability and clarity of ownership. And so I want to read out the opening line of this solution just because it's so brutal, but this is business. <laughs> Existing business owners must be held accountable for where we find ourselves today. Heads must roll. <laughs> the, the, the great way to start your, uh, like how we solution this. But basically the solution was empower people to make decisions yes. and empower ownership to be transparent. And so make sure that you have people with increased accountability, make sure that you have people who can make real decisions. And the fact that the rest of the company supports those decisions and the leaders ultimately live or die by the results of those decisions. And one quick thing here I'll add is, I actually think the reason that a lot of great people will always say, oh, I don't want to work for a big company is because they want to have the responsibility of living mm -hmm. and dying by decisions. They want to back themselves, back the team. And what happens in big companies is those decisions become so fragmented that they don't feel the same accountability. And I think that's what Brad was pushing it's on. It's not just fragmented, I would argue. The other thing I would come back and say is the margin of error on those decisions, the bigger the company is, you have a much bigger margin of error, yeah. right? Like if you mess something up, it's not the end of the world when it's a big company. When it's a 10-person company, you mess something up, you're screwed, right? right? Like you could do something that literally kills the company. Right. And so there's that level of accountability that you're talking about, which is what happens is it drives lack of urgency and an apathy in a bigger company. And I think the best successful large organizations are organizations that can manage against that and help people really understand how critically important the work that they're doing is and how it connects to not just how the company is going to be successful, but what the customers of that company, how they're getting value and how they're going to be successful. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love. Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Ever noticed how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight in one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love this show because it's filled with repeatable proven studies, not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I, I just come back to like great people want accountability. Yes, like you know do. when you've made mistakes in your team, when you have a bunch of people that don't want to take that accountability. And the problem with large companies is the team structure actually gives people excuses. Because what yes. you do is you have a bunch of different people responsible for the same thing. Like you have a collection of decision makers, you have a collection of people who are accountable. And so then you just have a team structure of finger pointing. Because everyone's like, well, I did my job. This person wouldn't do the thing I needed them to do. I did my job, but I couldn't get yeah. this person to prioritize my stuff. It's just like finger pointing. And you set the team up to finger point. And what you actually need to do is set the team up to have very clear accountability. 
And I think if you can marry the example you give where, you know, they did the 10 slides and everyone in there knew those things with the right team structure that forces accountability versus finger pointing, that alone is transformational, I think, in large companies. Yeah. The other way to say that is if more than one person is responsible for something, no one is responsible for something. Most companies, as they mess up, they blur the lines of responsibility. You know, we always work on trying to have a directly responsible individual. Now that directly responsible individual might have a team of people that help them accomplish that goal because it's a big, complex problem. But at the end of the day, it's that leader, it's that person's job to succeed or fail. Right. Right. And they can't come back and say, oh, you know, we failed because the team just didn't get this done. It's like, no, no, you're responsible for having the right people on that team and helping that team be educated and understand what they need to do and all of those things. Right. Like that is fundamentally what has to happen. And the biggest solution here I have to this particular problem is you need clear accountability, a directly responsible individual that has a clear metric of success. Like I hate process. I hate rules. I will tell everybody that I've ever met that I hate process and I hate rules. Some of them are really important. And this is a process of being who owns this thing and what is the core metric is very, very important. Because this comes up a lot actually in companies that I talk to who are trying to organize for product-led growth, especially when they're like a certain size because there's just that business model is still being built, still being thought and there's a lot of overlap of ownership. And so I always try to simplify it as in who can prioritize their work. You have all of these kind of dotted lines into teams like, oh yeah, this team is accountable to you. This team is accountable to you. And you own the metric. But if you can't prioritize the work, you don't truly own the thing. You have to have both control. And I think whoever has the ability to prioritize the work and say to someone, no, that's not the thing we're going to do. We're going to prioritize something else. They they truly do own the metric. They're accountable. And that actually comes into the third solution, which is way more self-explanatory. We can end by spending more time on the look back he did six years later. But that was just execute a radical reorganization. And so what he did was he leaned into general managers versus this kind of matrix, dotted line matrix thing they had. So they had GMs and all teams had to roll up to that GM. You know, that GM was responsible for something, whether those teams reported to the GM or not, Mm -hmm. they were accountable to that GM and had to prioritize that GM's work. And the other thing I thought he said, which is really, really timely today, because every tech company, late stage company is thinking this way, is we can be more efficient with fewer people and we can get more done more quickly. And that's what you're seeing in the market today. Before we move on to the look back, I want to talk about one thing we haven't talked about yet that's very important. If you've watched this episode or any other episode of Marketing Instagram, you probably get the gist that Kieran and I are probably not the most sensitive and emotional people in the world because we're not. <laughs> we're not. I'm just I'm just trying to be honest with the audience. You know, Too here. logical. We are hyper logical and we're like super libertarians, right? And that we're like the greatest good. You know, like right. we will do whatever we think will benefit the greatest number of people in the world, right? Like we're greatest good people. And that's awesome. Not everybody's like that. And that's how you get to these problems, right? The radical reorganization and the not knowing what responsibilities are clear often comes from People not wanting to do the hard interpersonal work, giving people hard feedback that they're not good at the job or giving somebody feedback that the job has outgrown them, that their skills haven't grown with the job. Like that is hard and painful work. I have failed at it a bunch. But if you're talking about the root cause, like most early stage companies I talk to who don't have all these bigger organization problems that we're talking about, they still have this problem where the founder has an exec on his team that just isn't good enough, but won't do anything about it, even though he or she knows that they should make a change. You're smiling because every company you talk to, you see it, right? And 
the one piece of advice I would give everybody as it relates to this, just think about your team and think about the work you need to do and the gaps between what your current team can do and the work you need to do to get to the next level of what you want to be. And tell the team that and be really honest with the team about those gaps and how you want to change those gaps in skill. Because that is a core, core challenge for every single company at, at really every stage. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like most of the things we talk about and the advice given is on bad hiring, right? Yeah. Because that is the killer. Because the more senior that person is, the more painful it's going to be. And bad hiring will just, isn't a nightmare to unwind, right? And so that's first thing. And that's why there's so much great advice around like hire, hire, and hiring is the most important thing. But actually we don't talk a lot about what's something that's quite similar is Companies that grow people, people that grow companies. Yeah. And yet one of the things that you brought up, he did mention in the memo, which is we just have a ton of people in this company. They've been here too long. We've outgrown them. They've outgrown us, but they're just still here. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really bad because they set a cadence for your company and a rhythm for your company that even the best people will start to revert to, right? Like you come in and you're Correct. like fresh ideas, you're ready to go, but there's this crew and they're kind of just like on this different rhythm to you and they don't get pulled up to you. You get pulled down to them. Well, you're talking about inertia. They just, it's hard to move them, right? They're just kind of right. stuck in how they do things. They're stuck in the ways of how they work. And to transform any team, you have to break the inertia that's there. And I think right. that's a big one. All right. Talk to me about the look back. This is here. really good, right? So because okay, six, six years later, when I'm resting America, became CEO of Yahoo, he did a look back and I, he had one insight that I thought was really great for us to end on. And I'll read you out the quote because I think it's really important. He said, if a business has to be told that it needs more focus, accountability, and decisiveness, which is his whole memo was about solving those things. Those three things. There is a bigger problem at hand. Truly successful businesses encourage these qualities innately by creating and fostering a culture that inspires each individual to perform at their peak and rewards passion and results without peanut butter and the end of your bonus. What he's basically saying is, yeah, I pointed all these things out, but it's not in the company DNA anymore. Mm. And so it doesn't matter. Like the company just doesn't have that culture. It doesn't reward those kind of people. And so he's probably right because you bombed. Yeah, Yahoo just totally failed. Right, no one can turn that company around. So something went wrong. But I thought that was a really interesting insight, which is, you can kind of pick apart all the things you want, but if the company culture has like veered off course to such an extent where that just isn't part of the company DNA anymore, you're just in big trouble. And this is where first principles come to play, right? Because you can say, oh, if I'm running a company like this and it's veering off course, it's already failed, right? right? Like, and so there's no risk in me making some big transformation, right? Because I know the current course and speed is going to end in failure. So my only option is to do something. And, and that is very counterintuitive to how most people think about situations. And you have to really kind of connect the dots and look forward to say, where is this going to go if it just keeps going in this direction? Are we going to be happy about it? The answer is most always no. The second thing I'd really bring up here is like, you ask yourself if you're listening to the show, you're like, what gets people to a place where like they lose the culture and they lose the ability to kind of have sight of these three things? I think there is one core trait and it's a trait Kieran, you and I talk a lot about, which is a trait called intellectual honesty. Are they able to admit where their weaknesses are, what is wrong with their businesses, or are they making excuses? Are they trying to sugarcoat it? Are they saying the next big thing will help it make it better? 
The latter is a sure path to failure. The former means you're going to spot problems early, you're going to fix them early, and you are going to continue to evolve, grow, and be successful. Yeah. Like, that is where we're at. Yeah, and I think there is something to be said, uh, like, what's the repercussions of not succeeding? Yeah. Like, you need to have some, not just accountability, but repercussions. Like, you need to feel a sense of, like, fire under you. Not all the time. I saw someone tweet before, which is, once you start to feel comfortable in a company, you should leave. I don't agree with that. I think no, people I should too. always have periods of time in their life where they feel comfortable in the company. And people have different reasons. They want to not be at breakneck pace all the time. That doesn't mean you can't have huge impact at the company you work in. But you have to feel that kind of like, I still have accountability here. There's repercussions if I can't succeed. And once you lose the repercussions, you're like, I can kind of coast this and there's no real repercussions whether I fail or succeed. That's when I think you get a bunch of this people drifting. I, I want to go back to something you just said. I want to argue with you a little bit. You just said that not everybody should be at breakneck speed all the time. I think you are conflating things. Being uncomfortable doesn't mean you're at breakneck speed. I would argue exactly the opposite. You know who's at breakneck speed? The hamster in the hamster wheel. Right. The thing that's not changing, that's just doing the same thing. And if you are at breakneck speed, if you feel like you're getting nowhere, it's because one, you are, and two, it's not because you have too much. It is because you have not changed and evolved in the way that you need to, right? Right. Like the uncomfortable feeling you want is, oh, I am doing this thing that I do not fully understand. And because I do not fully understand it, I need to learn and change as a person. That is the level of uncomfortableness that is great for anybody. It's, it's a good kind of stress on any human. Yeah. If you're feeling uncomfortable because you're like, oh my gosh, I did these 10 things today and I got to do 12 of that same thing tomorrow, that's a bad, bad place to be in. Yeah, I'm actually maybe reading too much into the tweet where I think they focus much more on the hours you were doing versus yes. what you... It's really not the hours. I guess going all the way back to that point, the hours don't matter the impact that you have matters and you don't need to work around the clock to have impact. And actually the problem in a lot of large companies is you're really busy doing nothing, nothing meaningful at all. Literally meaningless, meaningless. And that's the problem. Like you actually could be much less busy, have a couple of things that really matter and have way more impact. And to your point, if you're going into work and having 20 things and coming out of work with 20 things. And at the end of that month, you're like, what the fuck did I get done anyway? (laughs) Kieran, <laughs> then what'd you do this week? What did you get done this week? What'd uh, you get done this week? But it's not an unfair question. It's not an unfair question to ask yourself. If you look back and you're like, what did I actually yeah. get done? Nothing actually that made a difference. Then do different right. things. Don't keep doing it. I've, I've been there. Oh, me too. I'm there all the time. You got to kick yourself out of it. And I think you need to look at the things you're prioritizing and say, ah, half of this stuff really doesn't matter. Why do we prioritize it in the first place? And I think that is a good thing for everyone to ask themselves. All right. I love the peanut butter memo. So if if people want to read the full memo, they can Google the peanut butter memo. It's John Garlinghouse. It is a really good look back on the history of the last kind of failure of of tech, but also these are common reasons is why all businesses fail. And they apply real deeply right now. And so, Kieran, in our last minute or two here, if you were somebody who is in a growing organization and you're seeing some of these problems start to emerge, what would you do? What would you do? 
Do it, Jerry Maguire. Write the memo. Send it to everyone. This place is... F- yes, I love this. I was going to say this. Look, I think this is a great example of a leader taking true accountability. Uh, Brad yeah. was not the CEO of Yahoo at the time. He was an SVP who I think was in charge of one of the departments. And so he stepped up and put a finger on the pulse and said, these are the problems we have. Like Yamini has a really great quote in HubSpot, which is around ownership, like true leaders, they call plays. Mm-hmm. If you're a leader, you're going to call plays, you're going to make decisions because you're actually indecisive things. You're not going to stand on the sideline and wait for somebody else to do something, right? Right. And this comes back to the Jeff Bezos framework, right? Yes. If you can roll back a decision, then it's better to be wrong and make the decision than die by indecisiveness. Yeah. Like if it's a bet the company decision, yeah, you need to be very, very thoughtful. But too many of us, if it's not a bet the company, still spend way too long making decisions. Really what we're saying is if you are in a situation in an organization where you're seeing these things happen, name the problems. And we think the best way to name a problem, and I do this, Kieran knows, I do this like every six to 12 months is I'll write a memo up of like all the things that I think are problems and I'll get some feedback yeah. on it. Number one, Kieran, you are a problem. Number two, Kieran, <laughs> Number you're one, a myself. Problem. Number two, Kieran. Number three, <laughs> bad sweaters, <laughs> you know, all of those things. No, but it's a very powerful exercise because it forces you to be really honest with yourself. And the best thing to do is if you can write what the problems are and then under each of them, this is the part that's really hard. But if under each of them, you write, this is what I messed up on. This is how I contributed to this problem, right? Like I made this bad decision or I lost sight of this, you know, whatever that may be, you're admitting it to yourself in a way that is like deeply, deeply meaningful and will like transform your ability to like talk about those problems with everybody else, which is super important. I I love the peanut butter memo. We've got a couple other kind of classic business memos and manifestos that we're going to cover in future episodes. Do you have anything specific you want us to cover? Hit us up, leave a comment on YouTube. Please hit that subscribe on YouTube and we'll be back with you very soon on Marketing Against the Grain.